Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is gonna be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got Pete back again, and this time we're gonna go back and talk in a little god tier and some Steamforge stuff. Uh, I don't have Chris Jr. on today. I actually have Chris Sr. on. So, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Wait, who, who the <laughs> fuck is Chris Jr.? So, the last two episodes, I've actually had Dixon on the podcast. Mm, and I, and I referenced him. Oh, yeah. I referenced him as, you know, Chris Jr. Because he definitely has the same kind of mentality sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can get behind that. I'm happy that you're uh, you're taking a break from being a malafiend and... Uh, you know, getting back to some God tier for a second. Yeah, I think people were actually curious, Chris. I had a lot of people asking me, like, did Chris, like, rage quit the podcast? Like, where where did this guy go? No, I've just been busy. I got a new job. So I've been, like, working my ass off, like, Saturdays included. It sucked. But <laughs> it's going to be worth it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my new job. It's just lots of hours. Yeah, and, and I mean... I think a lot of people that are close to me kind of also know that I've, I've actually changed jobs as well. So I'm kind of in the same boat you are where I'm, I'm really just working a lot to try and uh, get comfortable in that job because it's, it's, you know, in the private sector. So it, it, you're, you know, rewarded by your merits, right? So you got to put the work in, you don't just get handed stuff, which is definitely a cool feeling. Yep. We're going to get into the God tier again. I think people are glad to hear you back on the podcast and glad to hear that. Uh, you didn't rage quit sell all your stuff, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not a believer in selling all my stuff off. You are. I, I'll give you that. Like even games like you don't play anymore, you still have that stuff. Like you still have like your full Kador and uh, Scorn stuff, right? Yeah, Th- those are my boys. I went to war with them. I need to have their <laughs> backs. I need to keep right. them. Yeah. So what we're going to be talking, we're going to do some God tier today. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about kind of what some people have gotten frustrated over with the game. Uh, but mainly we're going to be talking about the two new champions that we have with Luella and then Jean. So those are two new Maelstroms that have been introduced to the game of God tier. And a lot of people are excited for it. The models look amazing. I, I mean, I just delivered those to you yesterday, Chris, and I don't know if you pulled them out of the box yet, I but the, the quality is really good. Yep. Uh, dude, I don't know why they can't get whoever's making these models in like the single pieces like this to do the ones for uh, Crisis Protocol. Because I was watching Nick put together Crisis Protocol models last night. Yeah. Dude, some of those are a fucking bitch to put together. Oh, yeah, man. I, I've I've had to put them together for commissions and it's it's rough. It's it's a. It's not quite as bad as some of the old Malifaux figures, but some of them are pretty bad. Dude, one of these had like, and I get that they thought it was cool to do it, but they had this uh, daredevil with like this whip going all around them. And I'm like, that's yep. going to break any time. <laughs> what were they thinking? And, and the other ones were those like individual hands. Yeah, it's not like it's just a whip going around him, though. It's that there's no anchor points except for the one part on his hand, right? Yeah. It, it, it's it, and so you've got like a model with like this whip going every direction around him and then he's at one one point on his foot onto a piece on the base like it, it's just I, I was like the integrity of that model is not good i, I don't know why i yeah. don't just like create them all in one mold like they're doing with so many other brands these days yeah. So yeah, those crisis protocol models can be really nightmarish. It, it, there's, there's been a lot of times I've had to put them together where it's like this weird little part where it's like the hand knuckles got to fit into the hand. And it's just like, this is, this shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. And, and especially for that game, like if ever there's a game where they should be like, Hey, let's not have this build element be a problem. It should be the game that they're, they would try to have the widest exposure to. 
right? Like yeah. those models are going to turn people off that would otherwise be like, Hey, I've seen the movies and I thought I'd buy this game. And you know, it, it's, it's a little skirmish game. So, I mean, like it's going to be more appealing to the average uh, random customer that walks into a place, but yeah. man, like they're, they're working against themselves with that build. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people can learn from Steamforge as far as far as like, Making the game easy to unpack, I think Steamforge Games does a really solid job of that because, I mean, God tier, when Guild Ball, they had the new reboxing of those guilds. Um, and honestly, it's kind of funny because I feel like Guild Ball, the reboxing of all that, almost was like the learning for like the rest of the company to be like, okay, here's how we want to do all of our you know new games for God tier for all these board games. And then also this new Epic Encounters game coming out because yeah. all the, mo- all the models in all of them look, look stupendous. I don't think besides all the bad quality for the guild ball models, I don't think any of the other games steam has put out has had those issues. Yeah. I, 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 Okay, so let's talk about this is another aside since we're visiting Steamforge stuff in general. Yep. Um what the fuck is up with those epic encounters? Like they're so like it it's it's not models that go along with God tier, they're just like random D yeah. models. Yeah, yeah, they're fantasy based models, and basically the idea behind it is they're gonna create these encounter boxes. So I think one is like the dragon horde and all these kobolds that you have to fight. So you pick up this box and you unload it and you have all the models that you'll need for that encounter. It includes this big ass dragon, includes like these dozens of kobolds and all this other stuff that you would need to run that section of your campaign. So the idea is they're making the models, but essentially they're not really making a rule set for it because you can just use D&D or Pathfinder or whatever, you know, you want to use to run that encounter. So I mean, I think it's smart in that range, but I, I I don't know. There's a lot of companies that already are into the Dungeons and Dragons kind of wheelhouse, so they're they're in the competitive market there. I don't I don't know how that's going to end up for them. So did they? I mean, did they create their own uh, RPG system for this, or like like no. when you open up the box, or are they just like, hey, here's models that you could use in a dragon encounter, or are they mapping out like the the script of the encounter for you as well? Like what? This oh, is just me not being educated about RPGs. Well, I was going to say I'm not a huge RPG guy, but I know enough from looking at the product that it's a box, and I don't believe there's any specific rule set in there. But I think it does have like uh, this would be almost like a step by step of how the encounter would go. Like okay, step one: fight this many kobolds if you have this many you know, people in your party, you know, fight this many if it's the next. Oh, next encounter, you'll have this many. And I think it goes through a step progression of it, but it doesn't have the actual rules for it because, I mean, that would include a whole nother bunch of um, bunch of work that I don't think they want to put into it. I think they just want to make their money off the models. Okay. So ideally, somebody would, would be like a... a a game master would be creating an encounter that would capitalize on the use of these models. Yeah. So if I was wanting to run a campaign and I'm like, okay, I have, you know, this, I have a dragon at the end of this campaign that I want, you know, to build up to, I need a model to represent that. They would go, Oh, cool. Look, Steamforge has a whole encounter set up. I can just pick up that whole box and I can run that encounter. So I think the idea, and Steamforge has already teased some other ones that they they might have down the future, is they're going to have sets of encounters that you can buy and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to add to it. It's kind of like when you go to a game store and you see all these, um, I think, is it? It's not Fantasy Flight. Uh, Who's the company? It's WizKids. I don't know if you've seen all the WizKids models that they make for Dungeons & Dragons, but it's basically the same thing where you can pick and choose which ones you want to buy and you use those in your encounter. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what's going on with that. That's, that's one thing some people are excited about. Um, I, I, I don't know. They got a lot of side projects going on. It's kind of got me really kind of questioning where the direction of the company is going. Dude, um, that one because, dragon alone is 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know about you. I mean, it, when you look at all these side projects 
And then you have basically the owner of the company getting the community all up in arms and angry at his comments and kind of lack of um, almost like lack of feeling and compassion for the people that are pissed about, you know, Guild Ball dying off. Because once again, they made another comment with, you know, they put out a flyer for PAX and they were like, hey, something's coming. And this time we mean it. And it was, you know, a dig at that whole, you know, interaction with um, with the company owner. And and it was just it was really classless. But I I had a lot of people that talked to me who were like, because of this and because the owner clearly doesn't care about the actual people, I had a lot of people tell me that they're never going to buy another and even look at another thing from Steamforge Games again because just the lack of um, almost like being in touch with your player base. Yeah, well, as somebody that is often accused of having a lack of compassion and being an asshole, um, (laughs) I'll say this, like... Here's the thing, like a lot of these businesses that like a lot of the startups of uh, various game companies and stuff like they're started up by like nerds, right? Like we're we're all nerds, right? Like and let's be honest, like nerds can have some awkward social interactions. (laughs) So I feel like I feel a little bit more forgiving because I'm just like, I, I don't know personally these guys, right? But like. I don't expect them to have the the smoothest social interactions. Like, like I wouldn't be surprised if in that post, he, it wasn't intended to be flippant toward the community, but he was maybe trying to make a joke about like an awkward situation before, and it just made it more awkward. <laughs> even up, right? Like, so I'm I'm trying not to crucify the guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely not helping. Like, need need some PR work, right? Like, uh, they're they're m- maybe those types of things need to start going through someone else that is, you know, more savvy with the PR. Yeah, and I mean, I get the whole public relations stuff, and they're definitely going to lose some money in the short term over it. But when I look at the company and the direction they're going, it's very clear the company is going to make their money off of these board game licenses and this and these new kind of just general fantasy based kind of boxes that they're unre- that they're releasing, right? Yeah. Well, and and, like, and the games are fucking good. I mean, like there's also that element, right? Like yeah. even if these things have rubbed people the wrong way, their fu- fucking games are good. Like I like yeah. I would still ra- want to have Guild Ball back in a heartbeat. Like I, I don't like that they canceled Guild Ball. I'd take it back immediately, but um, it wasn't because they had a shitty game. No, <laughs> like it's just yeah, there's been there's been games stuff. that have been killed off because they suck. Yeah, and this was and, not the case. And listen, like I know that like we have to boycott all sorts of things over social justice right now. I'm not going to choose to boycott over an awkward interaction with the owner of a company, right? I got to yeah. Boycott so like like race and sexual orientation matters. Come on, get with the yeah. Friends. So. It, <laughs> Initial, well, that's what I'm saying. Initially, I was kind of like, you know, I I don't like this guy. I don't like that he's doing this. And then I I've let it kind of simmer for like a month, and people have been asking me because I was like, you know what, something's coming. We're gonna respond to this. And I was debating for a long time of doing like this huge dig on Steam Forge about how you know the owners are you know it's bullshit and how I I don't I'm not gonna associate and give them my money you know when I, I clearly just know that they don't support kind of their clientele. But then I started thinking about games that I've played in the past where it's like, you want to know what? There's other games where I've never met the owners. The owners probably didn't care about my opinion. So honestly, why should these owners really, you know, if their game is selling, it's like just because they make an erroneous comment. I mean, it's not like they're at Donald Trump level where they're like spitting out, you know, all this nonsense. It's just, it's kind of one of those things where I've kind of had to put it aside and say, okay, do I want to play this game? Yes or no. And, and when it comes down to it, God tier and the games that their developers put out, which include friends of the show, Jamie Perkins and others, they make good games and they make good content. And I think that honestly, I would just kind of, I'd be stubborn if I just decided to let this, this piss ant just kind of ruin my day. Right. Well, you are stubborn. 
I was, uh, dude, and you know me, so it's it's taken me a lot to kind of come around to this, where it's just like I had to look at it very factually and say, is the game good? Do I want to keep playing it? And then I'm like, yes, yes. I'm like, okay, do I want to support you know my friends overseas who make this game? I'm like, yes. Do you care about the owner? And I'm like, you know, I actually don't care about this owner. It's like he's not worth my he's not it's not worth my time. I don't know the guy. I've never met him. You know, he he stopped going to events. He's not. It doesn't seem like he's a personable dude to me. I mean, just from his interactions online, he's at least, like we said, socially awkward or something. So I kind of put it aside and I'm like, you want to know what? I'll still support God tier. I'm not going to be as, you know, it's not quite on the Friday list. It's not quite on the list where I'm going to ban it. But, you know, for 10 years, it's just a good game. And the people that I like that play it, I like a lot. So to me, it's not worth over this one dumbass's tweet. <laughs> to just give up a game like that. Okay, well, since since, since you've come around to this, um, I I have had an idea about kind of a farewell event for uh, Guild Ball. So so oh, here's yeah. my idea, and you and and this and people are going to be able to kind of see the behind the scenes of Chris and Pete planning stuff. So my idea is um, usually we put together kind of a special event type of thing around the holidays where yep. you'll come up with like some special rule sets or whatever, you know, a winter theme, whatever it might be. Um, so I think it would be fun to have that event be a Guild Ball event, you know, just one final Guild Ball event. And then I think that it would be cool if we take the Guild Ball teams that we currently have, like, because I don't think we've all sold them off. Like most of us have... <laughs> A couple well, you can't ago. sell them off for, for a reasonable price, so nobody yeah. has. Yeah, nobody has, right? So I think that what we should do is we should bring all of our all of our Guild Ball models and have a tournament where each round you will draw out of a hat a different team. And so you'll be able to play with all of the, you know, a variety of different Guild Ball teams It'll be a tournament where basically the person who wins it is going to be the one that has the greatest mastery of Guild Ball overall, right? Um, (laughs) Because they'll they'll have to be able to play to all the different teams and all of the uh, potentially any old matchup. Um, And so I think that could be like a really fun event because obviously like the people we've been inviting, we trust to use our models. Well, well, I was going to say not only that, but I think it would be really cool as a farewell event too, because you play a guild and maybe you've never played the guild or maybe you played them in a different season, but you know, you get the cards out in front of you and you're just like, Oh man, I remember this model. You know, I remember how, you know, tenderizer used to sit by the goal. I remember how shark was a scoring machine. It's, and it's just, it's, it would be really cool just to have that kind of like moment of, Oh yeah, this guy was a beast, you know, or man, this model really sucks. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm sure we could get like six to eight people together. Um, We could probably have most of the guilds represented. I don't think any of us have like the shepherds, for instance, which which kind of bums me out that I never was able to play the shepherds. There's also models that like I just got because we were buying them like right before they got taken off of websites and stuff. Like I've never played with Lane. I have one now, fortunately, but I've never played with Lane for my butchers. Um that would that would be fun. I know I know that I've got I've got butchers, I've got masons, I've got alchemists. Um, I, I I've got I've got a few. I've got uh, brewers and uh, what else do I got? I think I got some farmers someplace. I've, I've yeah. got a bunch of different uh, falconers and and hunters. Like so, I mean, like I've got a bunch of models. I know the other guys aren't selling theirs because like oh, I, 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 I got at least. Yeah, I got at least six guilds still. It's, yeah. it's I still have a lot. So we'll just bring um, them all down. We'll put all of them into a hat. So people will pull their their matchups every round. Um, it won't officially count for, uh, you know, long shanks or anything, which is actually insane because like this setup would actually be better to count for long shanks because you'd have to really <laughs> show that you have a mastery of all yeah. guilds to win it. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a super fun example. Yeah. They, so anyway, that's like that's what I think we should do for like our holiday tournament event. Okay. So transitioning back to God tier because I I did feel like it was important to address that because I I recently 
Craig recently um, released a video for his Third Floor War podcast that I was on that we talked about God tier and I was like, you know, really jazzing it up. And we hadn't released any content lately because really I've been a little sour about this whole thing. But I think it just goes to show you that sometimes you just got to got to mull it over and kind of think about kind of the pros and cons of, of what decision you're going to make. And I, I know that initially, Chris, we were talking about like, you know, well, do we just not want to make God tier content anymore? You know, John and I were a little hot under the collar about it. And, you know, we decided to keep doing it. And one of the things that we did is we actually had a tournament. And I want to share this because there was actually a nice little rage quit that kind of came out of this tournament from our boy Chris here a little bit. So I don't know if you remember, Chris, but you were playing against one of our locals and the Marco. question came. Yep. One of the questions that came up was you were playing with the Froglodytes and you were playing. Uh, I don't remember what the mission was, but either way, you were trying to argue that the Froglodytes could squash banners, right? Well, they are allowed to stand on those hexes, so that would make sense. Yeah, so we had kind of this debate going back and forth. There were a couple of tables chiming in, uh, and it was one of those instances where it was almost like everybody arguing against Chris, where it's like, Chris, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> the problem is, the the whenever somebody makes an argument that says that or infers a rule, basically they're saying, well, this makes sense to me. And that's not like, that's not a rule, right? Like just because it makes sense to you doesn't mean that's how it's ruled because I can make sense of all sorts of things that the rule book then oh, says something different. Oh, you try for sure. Well, so my point is like arguing common sense doesn't actually give you the solution when you play miniatures games is my point. So, well, we did well, we, one thing you got to keep in mind, God tier is kind of a less competitive game, right? The, the rules aren't as crisp in some scenarios, and this is one that we kind of came across, right? We went back and forth, and people were looking stuff up on Reddit and various forums and stuff, and some people were saying that they could or they couldn't. So basically, I finally just gave in, but I, I told all of you fuckers that I was not convinced by your arguments. Um, well, and I think the one that sealed the deal for Nick, who is running the tournament is he's like, well, if you look at this page, it says that when a champion enters a uh, hex with a banner, it doesn't say when a model. So that's why Nick decided to rule that way, which I think most people do rule that way, because it does specifically say when a champion enters a hex with a banner. Either way, the way that I made peace with it in my mind is I shot a message to Sherwin and he was like, yeah, you're wrong. And then I was like, fine. You guys made the game. <laughs> I guess. That's always Chris's thing. Like, I'm going to go ask Jamie. And then Jamie shoots him down. He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> my side. I know. Right. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't really a rage quit story, but you and I did play the next round. And I'm like, dude, can you cheer up a little bit? You're like, dude, shit no. So that, and then that what I lost, because like the way that it works is it's just round timer over. Whoever has the most uh, points wins. Oh, so, so even though we were in the too. middle of a round that I, in theory, could have won or I could have, you know, tried to extend the game or whatever, there it's just round time over. So I think that's bullshit. Like, I obviously think <laughs> well, people should have some fucking clocks. Well, and there are some people experimenting with different tournament play styles because I think there's a lot of people that agree that the, the tournament system for God tier is not ideal. There's a lot of weird kind of like decisions that were made. Um but it's because Steamforge hasn't tweaked it. The game hasn't been focused on like gameplay like tournaments. It, it it's actually been criticized a little bit that people think they're not doing enough, not just like tournament gameplay, but they're also not um, encouraging like any campaign or you know like grow league type stuff yet. And maybe that's because the pandemic. Maybe not. But you know we'll see what comes about it. No, I think it's intentional. I think that like they've intentionally created these rule sets to make it a non-competitive game. Like they're, they're intentionally saying, Hey, we don't want you guys to be competitive. We want you guys to just have, have a, a okie dokie time. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it is one of those things. I mean, there's some very intentional choices on trying to make the game more loose, which is fine. I mean, cause there was times I was playing the other day when I rolled some dice and they totally whiffed on me and I'm just like, that's great. 
that that's fine. That just decided the game, but that's fine. That's fine. And you know, coming from playing Malifaux, where you get a little frustrated because you have more control in Malifaux, I was just, I was just kind of like in burning inside of myself, just a little raging there, and I just wanted to throw dice. But yeah, congratulations to Markel in that tournament that we had. He uh, actually played all three of us rage quit guys uh, each round and beat all of us. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Although, I blame that on my lineup. Well, I blame that on fucked up rule sets in a tournament. But whatever. Oh, you got you to play quicker. Play quicker. You're I playing. was playing quick. Markel was the one taking more time. The <laughs> only time that I took was a five-minute argument about whether or not those frog layouts could smash a banner. Well, that's five minutes you could have had back to win the game. Well, yeah, but you know what? It was still going to take for fucking ever. So, <laughs> um, anyway. All right. All right so, yeah. We have, let's talk about Billie Jean. <laughs> Billy Jeans. Whoa. Uh she is the one, right? Yep. All right, so Jean is a so there's two Maelstroms that got added and Jean was one of them. Uh she's this goblin samurai. So when you started looking at the goblin samurai, I mean, what do you think about the aesthetics and kind of the look of the model there, Chris? Uh yeah, uh, so obviously I'm Chinese, so prejudice against the Japanese look, but um other than that, no, it's a cool model. Uh they could have They didn't have samurais in China. No, um, oh, crap. <laughs> obviously, the models could be. I think the the complaint people would have is that they could be more dynamic, yeah. but they're they are made this way because obviously they're trying to, you know, put them in a mold and make them sturdy and um. So I I, I think they're great models. I th- I think that they I look good. Like I her pose a lot. Are, yeah, her, her pose is really good. I think the. The the shrikes are the ones that it's like okay they're kind of static but she's got a pretty cool pose. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's a maelstrom. She's supposed to kill stuff. So when we look at her cards, I mean, she has the same. She, man, I tell you, this is kind of you got to be careful when you play Jean because she's like Sneaky Pete, where. You're not going to get a lot of points in the clash phase. She's the opposite. Like this goblin mechanic, apparently they want you to switch where you're going to get most of your points during the plot phase with that model and then kind of set up during the clash phase. So it's really opposite. And I like the idea with Gene because it's almost like, okay, I'm going to strike you. And then during the clash phase, I'm going to prepare for you to come back and hit me and kind of counter it. So it's a cool idea. It's just, it really, when you get used to playing God tier, it takes a while to switch your mind because when I played Gene, I found that there were times where I needed to get points during the clash phase to win it. And I couldn't because that's not what she does in the clash phase. So I would be down and I'm like, oh, I need my Maelstrom to get me back into this turn. And she doesn't because that's not, what, once again, what goblins do during the clash phase. So yeah, that, was, also- that was challenging. You couldn't because she doesn't have the ability to kill followers. What? What do you mean? Dude, her stats fucking suck. Um, <laughs> when you compare th- this model to like some of the other ones that are like, attack all models in a hex and choose some extra hexes and shit like that. It's like, okay, great. So she can go after like two followers in her turn. Whoopie I mean, not really. I mean, I mean, no, she has Bladestorm. I mean, Bladestorm lets her hit three models in one hex and... Um, she has another one that if she um, uses this skill as a bonus action, it must target a follower. So that's, you know, four. And then she can do the polearm sweep, which is choose up two X's within range that are adjacent to each other. And that skill can target one model in each hex. So, I mean, yeah, essentially she can get six she, models. She, well, okay. She, she's only got the polearm sweep on the clash phase, right? So well, yeah, like, well, no, well, and that's okay. what you were saying, right? So that's part of the, the issue there. But then... See, and this is like, it's kind of spiky on both ends, like, because you're, you're going to have so many situations where you're like, well, fuck, if I use her to kill models, I'm not able to plant banners. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing, right, is like, she's not going to plant any banners, you need her to be killing followers. Um and I'll talk about one thing I do think she's really good at. And that's the thing is, you have to set it up. And you have to kill the followers during the plot phase, which you can get a lead in, but you also expose yourself early, right? Because if you do all this killing during the clash phase to get, let's just say, eight points or eight steps, I should say, 
then Jean is now in the mix with the rest of the enemy. And her defensive stats aren't super great because you're not going to have the boons on yourself yet because she doesn't put boons on herself until the clash phase. So you have to almost activate her immediately during the clash phase just to get her the hell out of there. Yeah, and the boons aren't like great ones, right? The boons aren't like defensive boons. Well, her static ability is when she takes a wound, she can gain the dodge or armor or boon. So, but she's taking damage for that, right? It's like she has to take damage to, you know, get that boon and she only has five hitboxes. Yeah, well, and then the other side is, so you can't really activate her in the clash phase and then run her away because on that side of the card, she only has one movement. Like it just, yeah. Yeah, I, I think this model has some problems. Yeah, I mean, it, it has some playability, but the other thing I wanted to point out about her attacks are that they're pr- they're pretty mediocre attacks. Her best attack is Bladestorm, which has, you know, five dice and five damage dice, which is okay, right? If you can set that up, that one's going to probably get you some points. But then you look at the polearm sweep, and then you look at Rabbit Strike, and it's 3-3 three, three, and 4-4. Four, four. And... It's 4-4 with her polearm sweep in the... I think I would be better with Jean if Bladestorm was also on her clash side. Like, if that was her only attack on the clash side, I think I would be better with her. Yeah, I'd rather have only that attack than the polearm sweep on the clash side. Yeah, and and I think that would make her more usable. Just because, like I said, the the 4-4 and the 3-3 attacks are not going to reliably kill you any kind of followers. Like, even... The squishiest of followers either have like a high dodge or even the ones that don't have a low dodge, they usually have a decent armor. And then if it's middle, then you're not going to kill them probably at all because you have to spike on both your rolls. So it's just, she, she doesn't do a good job of killing, I think, followers when you want her to kill them. Yeah, the, the, I, I just, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of this model. Because at least when Sneaky Pete goes in to kill stuff, He's threatening a champion, so that's huge. Because if he can kill a champion, that puts you on the back foot. But also, Sneaky Pete has a dodge of five. Like, I think if she was a dodge four with the ability to go up to dodge five, she would be a lot better. Because she could go in there, kill stuff, and then probably not die almost immediately. Agreed. The one thing I will say I do like, though, I do like... She she almost has like a cool tech spot for me because if you have a slower couple of champions that you really want to get up in the mix, like, for example, Chris, you like running uh, Rangosh and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, if you had Jean and you pop her ultimate, all of a sudden you can move Jean up to two hexes and then move each other friendly model within range up to two hexes in the order of your choice. So you basically ultimate, move two, and then if Rangosh or somebody else who's brutal is right next to you, they can move another two as well. So it extends that threat. So the only thing that I think about that is I don't know that that one-time use piece of tech is worth having to deal with her lack of abilities throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're probably not wrong there, right? <laughs> it is yep. nice. It is a nice burst. Whether you're going to be able, I mean, but think about all those times, Chris, where you've been using Rangosh and people are kind of running away from you, how two extra steps would have been good to help you kill that model. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right. Well, what are your opinions on the Shrikes? Because they're, they're her followers and they do things. They'd be a hell of a lot better if that balance stance on the clash side of their card was able to be put on her. Yeah, that actually, I think that would be really good on her as well. Um, the fact that they can only put it on themselves, it's like, okay, I mean, that's great. I also think it's kind of useless that they have this sprint um, ability the that lets forward. them move, move three hexes. No, on the, sorry, the... the oh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, they, they have this sprint ability that lets you move one of them three hexes, but that's already the side where they have movement three. So I'm like... Okay, great. So these guys can move a shit ton on the plot phase and then do nothing. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's kind of weird because when you look at it, I'm trying to figure it out because the only thing that the Shrikes do that's kind of cool. I mean, the the slash and dash is good for against certain Maelstrom or against certain uh, followers because if you have a a high dodge, low armor uh, follower. 
they can actually kill it pretty easily. So I, I do think that they're actually decently useful for that. But drive back is the only thing where I'm like, okay, this is kind of useful because they can go. And then at the end of their activation, they can move an enemy follower one hex closer. So I, I mean, I guess you could get some use out of that, but it's only one. I kind of wish it would be like each model within one, you could move one, almost like they're hurting like a bunch of people or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I think my verdict for this one is just that I'm just not a big fan of this box. Like, Yeah. It's obviously great that it's added to my collection now, but um, I just, I don't think it's the greatest box. Yeah, I just I think her attacks because once again I know I know people hate this because they want to they they want to you know say like oh every champion has its place but when you compare her against the other Maelstroms I mean I don't even I don't know do you think she's above Grimgut even I mean you've played Grimgut before do you think that looking at this you're like okay at least she's better than Grimgut I mean what's your opinion on that No No because I've I've seen Grimgut do things that have cost me fucking games before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe that's just because you haven't seen Gene slice your face open. I don't know. Yeah, I like my chances. Uh <laughs> well, I, I will also say that Grimgut, even though he doesn't have this many attacks, his attack is going to kill a follower. Yes. And his ultimate is going to kill multiple followers. With her attacks, besides Bladestorm, I don't know if you're gonna kill that many followers. Like I think if you spread out, um, I think she's not going to get that many points each turn for you, and she's going to be kind of a victim as far as getting killed. I, I just think that's... I, I think she's just going to be very easy to counter for a lot of champions. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think that she... If if we use the, the measure of is this a champion that can get me or win me a turn during a game? Can, yeah. can this champion by themselves swing the balance to get me a a victory on a turn she's not somebody that i think has that ability yeah because i think once like even if you got like let's just say something crazy like eight steps let's say she gets you eight steps in the plot phase mm -hmm. okay in a lot of a lot of turns that's going to bring you to your cap and she's not going to get you any more steps so she is essentially kind of I'm not going to say useless because she has some little things she can do, but as far as getting you steps, she's probably not helping you out during the clash phase at all. Yeah. So your opponent can start swinging it. Yeah, you'd rather get the points for like Maelstroms and Slayers later in the turn when people can't respond and swing that, uh, swing that, that tracker back. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not a... Yeah, if, if you if to sum it up, if you bring Gene, I think you need to bring two champions who are going to do heavy lifting for you in the clash phase. Like if you like Gene, she does some cool stuff. Just know that you need two champions that are going to help you get solid points in the clash phase because Gene is not going to get you a lot of points there. Yeah. Because you, you do not you do not want to waste Gene's activations or actions in the plot phase putting a banner down. She does not want to put a banner down in the in the plot phase. And then the other problem is it means that that ultimate uh, has to be popped basically early on in the game. Like you're to get not full effect. Yeah, because when, when when once things are spread out, it's just less effective. So you it's it's like the type of thing that has to be done in turn 1 or some or turn 2 or something like that. I think I think if you want to bring her, you want to bring her with some really aggressive models that want to pursue the certain spots in the board. So uh, I'm interested to see what people do with her because, I mean, she's not useless. She has some cool things. Um, and as soon as people figure out what combos they like running with her, I'm sure there's some cool things where she can definitely help you win games. I'm just making sure people are aware that she's going to do most her heavy lifting in the plot phase. And you're going to need your other two champions to really help you out in the clash phase. Yeah. All right, so we got our other lovely lady, and I actually like this model a lot. This is Luella, the uh, basically Valkyrie dwarf and the shield maiden. So, Chris, She's what do you think cool. about this? Yeah, what do you think about this model in general? Sexy dwarf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, she. I I like the I like the models on this one. Again, I think that you can make the case for a little bit more dynamic models, but. Uh, yeah, they 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 just look really really good. I mean, I think they took some of the best elements of like the TV show Vikings. 
<laughs> yeah. As far as how they did like the braids and things like that. Uh, yep. I, I, I like these models. Yeah. Th- like that's a really cool box. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at her, she's, I think she also does a really good job with um, being a unique Maelstrom because she does have this kind of like, um, she looks slow cause she's a dwarf, but she actually is kind of a quick hit and kind of like hit and recover kind of champion. It's, it's really interesting when you start looking at her card. Um, the main thing I love about her is this momentum rule. So basically if she advances in a straight line, she can basically get an extra hex of movement. So if I go in a straight line, instead of moving one in the plot phase, I can move two. And if I supercharge, instead of moving two, I can move three. So it's just a, a really cool ability. Plus, she has this cool bonus ability where if you move three hexes, um, then, uh, sorry, if you use three, move three hexes, there we go. Lightning flash is a bonus action. So basically, if you hit a model with it, they get the dodge blight on them. So it's just a cool little bonus. So she can plant banners and still go kill shit. Yep. And set up some uh, some strikes into the clash phase. Yeah, and her clash attacks are very, very cool. I like, so the one I used that I really liked was Arc Lightning. So this ability, she can actually do from two hexes away, which is very flexible. And she basically can, when she hits the target, which is, a, it's a 6-5 attack. When she hits the target, she then can make a three damage die roll against two other models within one hex. So this is great against models like Splashlings, um, high dodge models like the Sneaky Stabbers, um, where she basically can almost instant kill one of those followers. So she's getting an easy two points for just hitting something that may be really easy to hit. And even well, if it's not, she has six dice. And and then bouncing it onto other models that are being kind of hidden behind a line or something like that. Oh, yeah. Where you can't get to them. Yeah, for sure. Yep. yep. Yeah, and Rolling Thunder is pretty good. Um, if she moved three, once again, it's uh, it's a bonus action, and it's just an attack that does four. Uh, you roll four dice and get five damage dice. Um, and and she's fast. She has supercharged on her front side, so or on her clash side. So if she needs Both to get sides. back in, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If she gets needs to get back into the fight, you can just go supercharge, go, and yeah, she gets to move an extra one. So. On the clash side, she can move four hexes, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like her a lot more. Yeah, and and people are like, oh well, she's only a two three. I mean, she has seven seven health, but she's only a two three. Which I mean, two three is not terrible. But when you look at the shield maidens, their passive ability, as long as they end their activation next to uh, Luella, she gets the armor buff. So essentially, you can set it up most times where she's going to be a 2-4 for at least one attack. Yeah. So I, I like her. She's a very, very solid model. Uh, what do you think about the Shield Maidens besides that, Chris? Uh, I, I think that they're, they're great for support. You get three of them, so you can definitely keep one that next to her to make sure you get that protective up all the time. Um, so that's really sweet. As far as the... Uh, I mean, obviously, the 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 best the highlight of these models is on the backside of their card, or, or I shouldn't say backside. I should say the clash the phase clash of their side. card. Yeah. Um. So that that cleavability, the the fact that you're rolling six on that uh, yeah. hit is pretty impressive, and the fact that you can do that with them separately to where they can be spread out and they still are able to roll six is is pretty impressive. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, just think about, like, there are so many champions. Like, think about it. If you hit Lorsan and you have three of these chicks in the same hex, six dice on Lorsan, you have a good chance of hitting. Five damage dice on Lorsan, you might kill her. Yep. <laughs> Lorsan sucks. I mean, I, I really am staying in theme here with uh, yeah, that, that's fair. that opinion. Well, that, that's how Chris judges his models. He's like, can this model kill Lorsan? Okay, you're good then. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Can Lorsan <laughs> kill this model? Okay, that model sucks. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, and finally, we have Luella's ultimate, which basically she can move up to two hexes and then make a three damage roll against each enemy within one of her. So once again, she can just run into like this bubble of followers and just roll three dice into it. And yeah, you're not going to kill everyone you run into with that, but 
I mean, that's pretty good if you can get like three or four, or even five followers next to her. Yeah, like I, I think that she creates a really fun, uh, a really fun turn on that ultimate turn where you ever just roll into some folks and bust them up. Well, because I mean, that gives her so much flexibility, right? Because she can do that in the plot phase. Yep. Throw a banner down, and then in the clash phase you know, kill more models. It's just, she's very, very flexible. Yep. Yeah, uh, in some ways, I think she's a little bit more nimble than, like, her theme of being a dwarf. Yeah, right. But well, she's light. She's cool. lightning strike, man. She, yeah, she's the storm rider. It'd be Val- cool Valkyries to do some, some lightning effects on this model when painting her up. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, and I can tell you, playing her, though, like, she, she was very flexible, and she was pretty survivable, but... I mean, those se- if somebody spikes those seven, that seven health can go down pretty quick. That's the only thing I did notice. Well, the obvious question is, does she pair well with Rodri? So do you um, think that she's she's a match to be in a game with Rodri? Well, I mean, Rodri does a good job of throwing out like all this protection stuff, and um, Rodri does a good job of kind of controlling controlling the middle. And you do notice. That supercharge is one hex, so she can supercharge Rodri. And so can the followers. Uh, no, no, the followers don't. Never mind. But she can supercharge Rodri if you need to. That's nice. I, I mean, I don't think you would. Um, but I don't think it would be terrible to have Rodri holding down the center and having this lightning chick kind of running around, you know, stabbing people as they approach Rodri. I like it. There would be some hard counters for it that I, I would say that. <laughs> there, there would. Which actually yeah, brings, that, brings me to another thing. They need to allow more champions to be taken in that in that organized play document. Having four like yeah, doesn't there, give you the nimble matchups. Yeah, there's actually people messing with the play document and kind of changing how it's set up. Um, so there's different styles. I think there's a couple people who are doing like a draft style where you don't actually pick champions. You just draft and say, okay, I'm going to pick this champion. Okay, I'm going to pick that champion. And I get why they do that, because you're not going to have mirrors and you get to react to your opponent's picks. But mm-hmm. if you have somebody who only has three champions, that's very limiting to them. So there's some pros and cons to that. Well, Steamforge should be for making that change then, because it encourages people to buy more models. Yeah, right. So whoever you know that's putting together, you know, organized play documents you should send them our way and we'll be happy to publish them on the facebook page and then that way it encourages people to get more creative with this and make this game better yeah i think i I think i'll do that because i know there is at least one that was published by the community Mm -hmm. um so i will put that out there just so people can kind of see it from our facebook page um and just show that we're also still supporting the God tier content. Yep. <laughs> but generally speaking, Chris, what do you think about these two maelstroms? Dwarf Chick Cool, Samurai, Goblin, Sucky. That is Chris's official take. Yep. There we go. Some I do like I like Luella a lot. Uh, if I had to make a choice, I think I bring Grimgut over Gene. I mean, that's probably me just because I like Grimgut's playstyle. <laughs> so you think that Gene's the worst maelstrom? <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's just. Unless you can make a play style such where you are very comfortable with getting a lead early and then denying your opponent points throughout the rest of the turn, if that's your play style, Gene's probably pretty strong and then actually really good for you. Me, though, I like to react. I don't like setting up the huge lead and then watch it whittle away, you know, like a football game where, you know, they're just sitting on a lead and trying to run the ball. Um, that's not my play style. I like to react. So as as you know, the game goes, I want to get leads where I see opportunities. I don't just want to get a big lead and then sit on it. Because that's one of the things I noticed about people like Blackjaw. Like if somebody uses Blackjaw's ultimate too early and they get this huge step lead, you can recover from that throughout the turn if they do it too early. So that's the one thing that I think you would have to be careful with Gene for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, but Luella is great. I love, like, I, I anticipate playing her a lot, actually. So I'm excited that she came out. Yeah, I, I, I just think she's a cool model. Like, she, she's, she's one of my favorite ones of this, uh, the recent set of releases. I actually like her more than Kira. Oh yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, Kira, 
the idea of Kira is cool, and I've seen some people do some okay things with her. Um, me personally, I played her a lot, and I'm not a huge fan of. I don't like how much you're tied down to the dragons. I like if it was an option, like she can channel through her dragons, but she wouldn't have to. I would be a bigger fan of it. Yeah, I agree. Because there's times where it's like, oh, my dragon can't do that. I wish I could just do this attack with her. I can't. Well, that's a less less of an option I have. Yeah. So I I, I want I well, what are they going to be coming out with soon? So they they've now got five maelstroms. They've got five slayers. So are we getting another think, shaper and guardian soon? Uh, I think they're the next one coming out is this guardian. I don't recall her name, but she looks very knightly. Like a very like knight, I'm going to defend, you know, the banner kind of thing. Okay. Um, apparently she has some kind of unique mechanic though. So it, it, her banner is going to be different. I don't know what that means, but it's her banner to be will be unique. unstoppable. I, I don't, well, I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Like she puts up like a mini castle or something. It's like, <laughs> you can't stop this banner. And if you come near it, something happens. <laughs> Ooh, so it's like Archer. a tower defense game at that point. Yeah, archers shoot at you and the portcullis comes down and, you know. <laughs> Anything general, Chris, you want to you wanna say before we get off, get off this thing? Um, no, I don't think so. I need, I need to devote more time to yeah. gaming. Work has been a distraction. I think a lot of people can say that. Uh, it is one of those things where I think uh, definitely make sure that you're taking care of yourself and even though like a lot of us are working more, you still got to take those breaks and still enjoy your friends and still, you know, get, get your games in, still do your hobby. Um, because yeah, you can definitely get sucked down that rabbit hole of just working yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, I recommend that people, uh, if they have frustrations in a, in the next month that they, uh, take that out on the, on the table and not to the streets. So there's, there's a public <laughs> service announcement. That is a very good announcement because especially us in the States, one way or another, somebody's going to be very salty and don't flip my car over it. Flip a table instead. Yeah. Flip flip tables, not cars. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. For real, I don't want to have a civil war. Like that would suck. (laughs) I know, man. Let's all just talk about it. Yeah. So I think with that being said, though, we're going to roll dice and throw lots of salt and we will see everybody next time peace